Welcome to the Empirical Cycling Podcast. I'm your host, Coley Moore, joined as always by my co-host, Kyle Helson. And thank you, everybody, for listening as always. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet already. A five-star iTunes rating and a nice review goes a long way. Thank you so much for all of those, of course. And of course, uh, sharing the podcast anywhere on forums or uh, with friends, word of mouth is great. Thank you all so much for that. And of course, we're ad-free. So if you want to donate to the show, that is at empiricalcycling.com slash donate. Uh, and of course, we've got the show notes up on the website. We're probably not going to have any today. It's a 10-minute tips. Let's be real. We spent 10 minutes preparing for this. If that. If that. <laughs> if that. Uh, well, we definitely spent ten uh, an hour before hitting record gossiping, but that's not recorded and we probably won't. Uh, thank you for your DMs in the future requesting the gossip. Uh, it's literally unpublishable. Um, so if you have any coaching or consultation inquiries for us right now is actually it's December. It's early December. It's a really good time to start thinking about next year. Uh, so shoot me an email, empiricalcycling at gmail.com if you want to inquire for coaching and also for consultations. That is your own personal AMA with either myself or Fabiano. So uh, reach out for that. And of course, if you have any questions or comments on the show, shoot me an email. And up on Instagram, whenever we do um, AMAs or anything like that, uh, I usually post something up on Instagram for questions and um, also weekend AMAs. Yeah. Every Saturday, I post up some questions, and we answer them up in the stories. Although, if we're doing it for a podcast, of course, it's not going to be in the stories. It's going to be in the podcast. So um, look out for that. I'm actually going to post that right now as, Kyle, you get us started. So um, this – so the, okay, the, the podcast topic genesis was um, – somebody asked me this in a consult recently. And I thought it was a great question. And then I saw it on a forum and I went, okay, we have to do a podcast on this because it's a great, great, great question. Um, what is special about zone two? So we might even want to define zone two to start because, uh, there seems to be a couple ways to define it these days. So, um, Kyle, let's, let's talk a little bit about zone two. <laughs> All right. Uh, that'd be the zones with the zone between zones one and three, right? That's, that's, that's the definition. Yeah, we got a NASA physicist on the podcast <laughs> just for that. <laughs> so for myself personally, when I think of zone two or when someone says zone two, you're going to go out on a zone two ride, I think a relatively chill endurance pace ride. <laughs> and now that doesn't mean that the whole ride you have to like peg it at you know, talkable, chill zone, you know, endurance pace. But that means on the whole, the ride is best characterized by you <laughs> s staying in a, you know, chill-ish, passing the talk test type endurance ride where you are, sure, okay, you, you know, you, you, depending on where you, the listener, live, you may not be able to stay in zone two the whole time. And I think, Coyce and I sometimes joke about like zone two hills, like, oh no, I want to go on an endurance ride, but can I leave zone two to like get over this hill or do I have to like <laughs> put on no, it's an 11 to 50? <laughs> yeah, like a <laughs> mountain bike cassette. You're like, no, no, no. <laughs> you you can leave the zone. Yeah, zone it's zone two is almost as much a vibe as it is like a uh, like a heart rate or a power target. I which is why I usually say it's it's just keep it to RPE. Uh, just pass the talk test. I've actually heard a lot lately about nose breathing. Um, mm. And I'm not entirely sure that I could recommend that you're always nose breathing for zone two because my nose is pretty stuffy all the time. Um, 
And so I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I'm always nose breathing and you can nose breathe pretty hard if you really want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that, that like, I think some people too, obviously also if you talk, if you're talking, if it's a group ride or something, and you're chill endurance ride with your, your buds, just talking, you're going to end up breathing through your mouth more. So, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah, but people should Fine. not be able to tell that you're exercising really like a little elevated breathing. Um, but yeah, you really want to just keep it chill. Make sure that you're not gasping for breath in the middle of a sentence is a pretty good way to go with that. So, um, I actually think historically, I'm not sure if we've ever referred to endurance riding as zone two. And, uh, maybe early days, like first five or 10 podcasts, we might've mentioned it a couple of times. Um, but I think definitely since then I've always referred to it as endurance training. And I think that, you know, referring to it as a zone implies, cause you know, obviously Cogan and I talked about this when he was on the podcast that he meant the the powers uh, levels to be descriptive and not prescriptive. Like you would go out and do an endurance ride and you would look at about where it fell in the zone or on the chart and go, okay, this is probably an endurance ride. And when you start to think about that as a prescription, you think, okay, anything in this zone is game for endurance riding. And so you, a lot of people here are listening. I know I sure did quite frequently <laughs> would peg their endurance rides right at the top of their zone two and <laughs> like barely make it for four hours. And then you're like, wow, how do people do this for 20 or 25 a week? I'm wrecked. I think I need two days of recovery. Uh, that's how is, um, I, so that's why I refer to it as, as endurance riding. Cause I think, um, it's, it's a minor quibble, honestly, but, um, but I think that it kind of gets the point across better. Um, it, would you agree with that, Kyle? Yeah, I, I agree. I I also think this is what people would traditionally have probably referred to as LSD, long, slow distance ride, not the drug, like long, slow <laughs> distance riding. Um, but I also think that I don't really like the long, slow distance term because it has the word slow in it and it doesn't have to be slow, Yeah, right? It It's just, I think that, they use LSD, the slow part, to mean not – Because I think that usually is a running term. So they mean like not running intervals on the track or something like that. Um, yeah, or like not doing your fast group rides. Like you want it to be – you know, because back in the day when you only had – you didn't even have heart rate, right? It was just like you're either kind of going out at chill pace or you're kind of going out at a fast pace. It was kind of, Or you're doing sprints or something like that. Like I'm not entirely yeah. sure what the history of – cycling training is, you know, from the forties or fifties or whatever. But, um, you know, you didn't have heart rate for sure. You definitely didn't have power. Um, and if you went to a lab, you were lucky you could get your O2 measured and you would have VO2 max. It's like, okay, go out and ride at 80% of VO2 max. And you're like, uh, okay, how, <laughs> what like, is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, the, the slow part, the slow, well, not I almost said slow component. It is not the slow component. Um, the, the slow part of long, slow distance would be that in contrast to fast, like going fast, like speed work, like behind a moto or in a bike race or something like that. Um, HIT, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that that's where that historical piece of context comes from. Um, but yeah, so so the question really stands. So now that we've kind of defined it, or we've probably overdefined it now. 
what is special about it? Um, and we should even start with, do I even think there is something special about it? And the answer is yes, but also no, which is, uh, <laughs> classic. Yeah. That's my new classic. way of saying it depends. <laughs> so, and it's the annoying way. Sorry, everybody. Um, so the thing is, I think that, uh, in the training zeitgeist at the moment, um, well, it doesn't zeitgeist mean at the moment. Never mind. So I think these days people are thinking that there is something special, something unique in terms of adaptations that you get from riding endurance pace. Um, and is that true? Uh, my answer, well, everybody listening, get your answer in your head. Kyle, what do you think? Do I think that there's something unique about it in terms of adaptation? No. <laughs> you would be correct. I do not think there's something special about it. And the reason is that if we get into like tempo, so now now let's make uh make a distinction with middle intensity training. Uh which is going to be a catch-all for anything between LT1 and LT2. So if you're a zone 3 model fan, now this is your zone 2. You're like, "Ah, now it's now we're talking zone 2." Um <laughs> it is it is not that. Um so that kind of training is really just a continuum of endurance training. And you still get all of the same signals that you get at endurance pace, but you get a couple additional um, in terms of uh, their intensity being a little higher. Uh, but that's really about it. And the other thing is that you can probably get to exhaustion a lot more easily in the middle intensity, which comes with some additional benefits. We could talk about that. Uh, but I think the thing is that when you think about it, like there's not a light switch that happens when you are going at endurance pace and then suddenly you're into tempo and sweet spot. It's, it's a continuum of, uh, of stress signals that yield a very, very similar adaptation. Right. And I, I, I remember I was talking to a friend about this one day when she was, she, this friend famously doesn't, doesn't do interval. Like she, she, she came from cycling from running and it just didn't, and like, you know, totally got burned out on, on marathon training and running and all this stuff. And so, you know, want, does bike racing, races cross, has done gravel events, things like that. Doesn't, doesn't do intervals. Like that's her whole thing is she like, isn't going to go do workouts, and, but we'll do long like long slow distance group rides with friends we'll do like fast hammer fest rides things like that whatever kind of rides she feels like and i was trying to explain this right like the reason that doing even even though they're intervals so you think oh they're like fast or whatever like if it's aerobic like you still get some of the same stimulus even if you're doing them you know comparing say sweet spot versus endurance pace zone two whatever you want to call it like you know trying to emphasize this more that yeah aerobic exercise exists sort of in that a lot of aerobic exercise is useful like it may not be optimal to never do intervals but it's not like you're <laughs> eating donuts on the couch right like like <laughs> endurance riding is in is still endurance riding to the first order right like like yes it you can do more of this and less of that at different intensities blah 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 but you know, if you like just squint and look really hard, like, you know, look away, it looks all, all looks like endurance riding. <laughs> I, I actually think that that, that is a really interesting way to put it. If you squint and look away, uh, everything from FTP all the way down looks like endurance riding. Um, yeah. 
because if you know if you look at a power curve, there's no inflection point when you hit LT one, right? It's like it's it's a continuous like just fall off, slow down, decline. Yeah, 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 down to zero, yeah. and and that zero point is basically when you die. So there's obviously an inflection point <laughs> when you get to like barely above existing, but. <laughs> You know, That's that, a really big plot if your power <laughs> curve goes out years, right? <laughs> <laughs> the extrapolatory power of the WK5 model is not that great. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so I think one of the ways to consider this is to look at the very classic adaptation chart. Like the Coggin zones one through seven, the the typical one I see doesn't ha- actually have a zone six on it. I don't know why w- that happened. Um, let me see if I can find. Yeah, the, I think I think it's because they, it's like they they made seven boxes, but then because because like Sweet Spot got its own box, <laughs> even though it overlaps with with three and four, it like kicked out zone five or whatever. That's what I assume happened. Yeah, they were like, it's how like do we casual... make the canvas bigger? Oh, I can't ask for it. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> leave out zone six. Nobody cares. <laughs> Because looking at, I found one. So like the zone six anaerobic capacity, it's got like one plus in it, except for increased anaerobic capacity. It's got three. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) um, And you know, what's funny is I would actually put uh, some increased anaerobic capacity into the lactate threshold zone, the zone four. Um, So anyway, so when we look at the adaptations that we get from um, plasma volume, mitochondria, uh, enzymes, density, et cetera, uh, like a threshold glycogen storage, uh, capillaries, uh, you know, fiber conversion, stroke volume, VO2 max, et cetera, et cetera. Like the, the host of aerobic adaptations that we get every single training zone has at least like an X in everything. Cause it all kind of helps. And I think when Andy made this chart, like he knew, okay, if somebody does a bunch of sprints, okay, yeah, you're not getting no aerobic adaptation, but it's pretty small. Yeah. Um, is it worth considering this is an aerobic workout? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, then, you know, I, it, HIT stuff didn't really, and intermittent efforts didn't really, like, come into vogue until well after this kind of thing was published. So I think it would have been interesting to include that. Um Maybe not that interesting, but <laughs> that's not the point. Um, so, like, if we're looking at something like, um, uh, uh, you know, conversion of slow twitch fibers, like you get uh, a you know one tick mark for active recovery zone one, then you get two tick marks for aerobic capacity, two tick marks for tempo, and then two to three for sweet spot, and then you get three or four for a threshold. Like, okay, yeah, that that makes perfect sense because regardless of what the adaptive signal is, and yes, I'm very much looking forward to doing those podcasts on those, um, the subsequent adaptations are actually very similar as we go up all the way to threshold. And then once we into threshold via two max, obviously they're very similar. Um, you know, they're very, they're, they're right next to each other. They're neighbors, right? But when you hit VO two max, it is drastically different than being at FTP. Like, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Um, certainly feels different, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's, it's still aerobic adaptation. And so one of the things that I have always taken by this chart is not what is the adaptation from these efforts, uh, in terms of like, uh, what's the way to put it? Um, you do 
an aerobic endurance workout and you only get like, you know, uh, like a one tick compared to like a threshold where you might get like three ticks, right? So it's like, it's not like you go out for an eight hour endurance ride and it's the same as a five hour endurance ride as long as it was an endurance ride. And it's not as good as doing three by 20 temp or a, a threshold or something like that. Um, right. It, it, it's not, it's not exactly formulaic. Like it's not a bank account where, Oh, like an hour you can't like, we, I think we've said this before. You can't like in the time crunched episodes, you can't exactly equate, you know, two hours at a lower intensity to one hour at a higher intensity. There is no direct like, Oh, we have this f- conversion factor that is known. Yeah. Yeah, so even though it'd be cool if we did. Yes, agreed. Um, and I think that's way beyond even what the most advanced science stuff could really pick up at this point. Um, but we kind of know about it just through rote experience um, and coaching a lot of people. So one of the things that I think may not be explicit, I, I actually haven't read the accompanying text around this chart for a very long time, so I don't remember if it's in there or not. But to me, this chart is more along the lines of per unit dose. This is approximately the adaptive stimulus you get. So if you do like a one hour aerobic endurance ride in zone, quote unquote, zone two, and you are looking at like, you know, one tick mark for, uh, what's got one tick mark? Plasma volume. And now if we look at threshold, we've got three tick marks for plasma volume. I would say that is approximately correct for um, the difference between an hour at endurance pace and doing an hour at threshold. And so there's so to me there's an it's not exact but there's an approximate like unit dose equivalence that is implied in this chart. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Although, and I I don't know if you're gonna. I'm gonna ruin this. The next, your next point here by, <laughs> by spoiling it. Really, the I do think the thing though there is right that you can do a lot more one hours at zone two than you can do one hour during a week, let's say, or a month, or however long your blocks are, than you can do one hours at FTP. Yeah, Kyle, you didn't ruin anything other than telling people exactly <laughs> the next point I was gonna make. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, which is exactly where I'm going. Which is. Um, so when, you know, well, let's, let's get there first from where we are now and the aerobic adaptation chart. So when we actually think about a training dose, uh, this is where, you know, people would say, and I, you know, it's not entirely wrong. It's, you know, it's not strictly true that you can substitute some volume for some intensity. And I think that we, you know, got to that in the, um, in the time crunched episode, um, but there is a certain point at which you can no longer do any more intervals. And that, <laughs> I think, is what is special about endurance training. It's, uh. it's not that you get any adaptations that are unavailable elsewhere. And, you know, Because if you're thinking, like, what if it's muscle fiber specific or something like that? Because I've heard that kind of stuff happening. But I would say you're still recruiting those muscle fibers when you're riding a threshold. <laughs> You're not, you know there's no there's no other special muscle fibers yeah there. it's like it's not like they like you know they, they they're not chilling the recruit the the uh uh Henneman's size principle says like as long 
because it's it's it is a threshold. Um, as long as the uh, the neural signal is stronger than X, all fibers with a threshold below X are activated because it is over their activation energy or potential or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. So they're still being recruited. They're, it's not like they're not getting trained. Um, <laughs> but when you go out for a six-hour endurance ride... Um, you know, the question is, are you getting into those big, bigger muscle fibers? Yes and no. It depends on how fatigue resistant you are. If you're somebody like me and my longest ride for the last couple of years has been about three hours. Um, you know, if you ask me to go out and do a four or five hour ride by the end of the ride, I, I'm going to be into some pretty big motor units because I'm going to fatigue pretty fast. I'm not that well trained aerobically, you know? So when you think about, you know, the, this kind of thing in terms of like what muscle fibers are you even getting into? The answer is it depends. Sadly, <laughs> I, this was something where I swear to God, I want a straight answer. There just isn't one. <laughs> yeah. If only, if only. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? Cause, cause to me, I mean, cause that's, that's what I told the person in the consult was the thing that makes it special is that you don't accumulate that much fatigue um, if you're if you're doing it right is the asterisk yes i think I think that is a good conclusion, but it kind of i think the the take the like summation is that or summary is that there's nothing special about zone two, but there is something unique or different about what zone two lets you do within the context of a training plan that mm. you can't get away with necessarily if you, you know, peg it one watt below if zone you, three. Or if you sweet spot all the things. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the special part is is the plan, like a large, you know, you want to go win the tour or whatever. And so Pagacha is talking about his you know, it's what, what is it? What is the tour? It's a very, very, very long endurance race, right? Like it's not like it's, it's primarily aerobic an aerobic sport. And so from that perspective, is it so surprising that he did a lot of endurance volume to be able to get through a long endurance race? <laughs> yeah. Um, cause if you think about it too, if you're for those races, it's not like every day is a 45 minute, 60 minute crit where he's going to be, you know, surging a lot and sprinting and, 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 and bridging and stuff like that. Like if you look at like the average power output that, that a rider would put out in most tour stages, they're not FTP for four. Well, they couldn't be, but they're not, they're not like pegging it at FTP all the time. Right? No. Yeah, definitely not. Um, well, and, you know what? What's I, what I find really interesting with people who actually do ride really, really high volume stuff, and um, I have a, a, quite a few clients at this point who do like twenty to thirty hour weeks. Uh, uh, you know, on their normal like high volume training weeks. Um, one of the things that I notice is like if there weren't any kind of like equivalence between endurance and um, you know, any other type of aerobic training, like threshold VO2 max, et cetera. Um, we would basically see no difference between somebody riding 30 hours a week and somebody riding 10 hours a week. And right. th in reality, the difference is night and day 
in terms of the adaptations that we can get, especially in the long term. Like if somebody's, you know, a, a long term development prospect, like yeah, you're goddamn right that I'm going to want you to ride like 25 hours a week, like on your normal training weeks. Um, and the thing is, and it's also not like a lot of endurance riding doesn't come with fatigue. It most certainly does. Um, right. but I think most people riding between 10 to 15 hours a week, um, you know, if you can get in like one long, like four or five hour ride, even let's call it three or four. Um, the, once you've done that for like two or three weeks, it's, it's going to be something that you're probably very easily capable of doing, you know, forever. Um, as long as you're not riding too hard again, and it's not going to accumulate that much fatigue. But once you get into like 20, 25, 30 hours, um, this kind of thing does come with its own fatigue. And so when you think about what kind of intervals can you do on top of that, it actually gets reduced when you get up to these very high volumes. There are fewer days where you can do really good high quality work because that, that endurance riding does have its own level of fatigue. And of course, energetic demand is a big one. You know, if you're going to burn three, four or 5,000 kilojoules a couple times a week, yeah, that's, that's a lot of rice. That's a lot. That's a whole (laughs) bag of rice. That's like a five pound bag of rice cooked. Like a week. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. What are the extra, what are the extra caloric demands just to have to (laughs) consume and digest all of that extra food? If you're burning five kilojoules a week, there are five kilojoules in a ride a couple times a week. How much time (laughs) do you spend on the toilet a week (laughs) like that? That's, I think that's a good point too, that like you said, you can, you know, and I think we talk about this fairly frequently, like getting, if you can, if you, even if you're a time crunch, if you can getting in that longer ride on the weekend, even if it's just one day or whatever is, is potentially very, very helpful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that may be the, that may be something that people maybe don't understand if they've never really piled on the huge endurance volumes is how tired you can potentially get. If you just, you know, fucking chuck on a ton of volume. <laughs> um, you know, like, like I always laugh cause uh, Mike is telling an interview about coaching. He says like, he's like, I think every coach should have to exceed their maximum recoverable volume for like a week just, <laughs> just so they know how it feels. Oh my, I, I did <laughs> it athletes. Monday. Oh my God. I, I went into the gym yesterday and I, I like looked at the trap bar and I was like, no, not today. I just, I just can't. <laughs> I was still so sore. Uh, it doesn't help that I'm yeah. trying to lose a couple of kilos. Um, that really stymies the recovery. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I added, yeah, but I went to nine sets straight from six and it was not a good move. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the fatigue though, like I think, you know, you, you feel the fatigue probably more certainly when you do intervals and higher, higher, higher intensity, not necessarily HIT, but higher intensity work because you definitely mentally finish those probably a little bit more fatigue, things like that. So yeah, just if you're, if you are thinking about, Oh, I'm really into the zone two idea, I'm going to really pile on the volume. Like it's not, you know, we're not, we're lucky in that a lot of people can get away with not doing like the running 10% rule for cycling because we don't have impact as much unless you crash. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean, you know, you double your volume <laughs> the next week. Cause you're like, Oh, I heard, I heard that more is better in zone two. So I'm just going to go out and, you know, go from two hours a day to four hours every day. Like, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe well, not that. So let's, let's make, um, 
let's make an interesting case, a, a reductive case. Like, let's say somebody's only on the bike for like three two-hour rides a week. Now, if you want to make this, you know, like a good time crunch program, I would say if you're feeling really good for all of those rides, like if you do like two threshold rides in a VO2 max ride, um, it's probably fine. But let's say, for instance, you're thinking, oh, if I'm not doing one of those as a zone two ride, am I robbing myself of adaptations? Mm. The answer is no, you are not. And if based on everything that we had talked about, the kind of continuum of adaptations and that if you're doing endurance training, like, you know, I think, I think Andy and I talked about this. I asked him like, you once said, uh, threshold training is endurance training. And he was like, well, yeah, it is. And you know, he's right. Cause it's basically like, like I said, everything under FTP, like it falls on that line. And so physiologically, you know, even though it's, it's, it is actually different between, being above and below LT1, like endurance pace and kind of into the tempo stuff, but it's still um, it's still part of a continuum of adaptations. It doesn't mean that you have to kill yourself on every ride, um, but it also doesn't mean that you are doing yourself a disservice by if you only get on the bike twice a week, you know, skipping the zone two stuff. Right, especially if you are time crunch, like you said, like like. You know, if you're brand new to cycling, then yeah, three, two hours, zone two rides a week is going to be a lot. And then really quickly, you're going to be like, this isn't anything. Yeah, you're like, what else you got? Come on, universe. <laughs> yeah. So, you you know, you have to up the intensity. So, yeah, like if you're thinking, oh, do I just like stay in zone two and, sl- and keep upping the zone two intensity slightly? Like eventually you're not going to – even if you do that initially, you're eventually you're not going to be in zone two in two hours. Isn't You know, and certainly in the grand scheme of cycling is a, is a pretty short duration. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is it is fairly short, but I mean that's that's what a lot of people have, um, and I yeah, think no. I think one of the things that uh, that a good endurance ride has a place in, like, um, is that when you're tired, and you know you're let's say you're too tired to do efforts, but you still feel good enough to go do a ride, go ride endurance. Like, yeah, it is a really good, I wouldn't even call it filler. It is like a good, I'm tired from other stuff workout. Yeah. Um, and, and it can, can be have, one of those things too. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. oh I was going to say, and it's where, one of those things where like, go explore your local coffee shops or ice cream shops or, you know, go find a good vegan bakery or something like go explore, bring some friends. Um, like pedaling time is, is, uh, what's the phrase? Like shamey time is training time or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. So sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say the other thing too, with that is that if you go out and a lot of times if you're tired, you're, you're whatever work is stressful, life is stressful. You're not quite recovered from the last workout and you're like, Oh, should I, should I just skip it? Sometimes? Yes. The answer is yes. You skip it. But sometimes you're like, Oh, if I just, maybe if I can just convince myself to hop on the bike for a little bit, not, not make any commitments, but convince myself just to get on the bike and pedal easy. Like even if it's not for as long as you wanted to go, but just getting out and doing something does make you feel a little bit better. And like, obviously you don't have to kill it. Like we said, yeah. um, but it's a nice, yeah, it's a nice way to feel like you can feel good about yourself. You, you at least got something in, you didn't, you know, yeah, it's just, well, the sun's setting early in the Northern hemisphere. It's well, I, you know, if you're early enough in the day, you can go see some sunshine, uh, you know, you can go see some trees and leaves. Apparently that's got a lot of, uh, you know, mental health benefits. I know I feel better after going out for a short spin or a walk or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, here's the other thing is that 
writing, you know, to, as long as it's not causing extra stress, is better than not writing. <laughs> yes, that's the that's the dumbest phrase I've ever said, but I, I think I think it needed to be said, because um, you know if you're looking at, uh, well, here, here's another interesting thing. It's like when my pro athletes are in season or they're uh, or they're fatigued but and we kind of need them to stay in shape but we also need to let them like not do any high intensity stuff and let the, let that kind of stuff recover we still kind of need them to be in shape guess what we do endurance riding and guess what it's really good at maintaining threshold and vo2 max and all that other stuff like oftentimes <laughs> when people are fatigued and like they're they can't hold their threshold anymore they can't hit any good numbers for vo2 max or sprint or whatever the answer is not more training. The answer is chill out and let yourself recover. And just doing easy endurance riding, you're going to find that after a little bit, things are coming back into line. Like your your threshold, you can hold better. RPEs coming down for those numbers. Um, you're going to find that uh, your sprint's getting better. Uh, you're going to find that, that uh, just doing endurance riding has maintained all of the, you know, higher power aerobic stuff, even though for a bit with fatigue, it went down. And if you had taken that time off, you would probably see it detrain to at least some degree. Yeah, that's a good point. I think too, with that, you can imagine that in the grand scheme, especially, you know, developing riders, experienced riders, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. Generally speaking, a it is better to, be consistent with doing workouts, even if you don't nail them. Like you don't have to nail every workout a hundred percent in order to succeed. But if you're doing hundred percent, zero percent, hundred percent, zero percent, hundred, like you would rather see, you know, 80% the whole time instead of wild swings of you crushing it and then like not doing anything and then crushing it and then yes. not doing anything. Yeah. And so instead of, say so you feel, like you said, you feel too tired, but you want to make, you know, build some consistency, get out, feel good about yourself. Then yeah, like chucking on his own two ride instead, like you yeah, have fun with your friends. Like it's, it is one day. And like you said, riding is better than not riding. And so anything you do, you know, take, don't, don't freak out that it's one day, whatever. Yeah, for sure. Like unless you're on a rest week, in which case maybe not riding is really the right call. <laughs> Um, ah, those glorious rest weeks. Ah, uh, uh, I know. Uh, I'm dreaming of mine. Actually, I could take one whenever <laughs> I want, really. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I think that's what's special about, quote unquote, zone two, uh, is it's still aerobic, still provides a very wide array of aerobic stimuli, and even st aerobic maintenance, um, if you're doing enough, you know, volume, uh, I would say. Um but it also doesn't accumulate that much fatigue unless you are doing a very large amount of it, in, w in which case it does accumulate fatigue. And uh, that's that's actually something in case you are thinking about going from like 15 hours a week and you're going, oh, I've got 30 hours to ride. Don't, don't <laughs> not right away. Stop, don't. <laughs> Gradually Oof. increase it. And then if you want, and then like give yourself preemptive rest weeks too. Because uh, with people who love to ride their bike and there are, uh, there are a lot of them out there, um, who just ride too much, uh, you, you know, to some degree where it's not beneficial. And you, and you know, us as coaches, we're, we're seeing the wheel start to come off the wagon. We're saying, Oh, it's time to rest. It's time to rest. And they're going, Oh, I'm going to keep riding. It's cool. 
Um, it's not double. It's, like, it's not time to double down. Don't yeah, double down. It's not time to double down. But also, like, it's like that's one of the benefits of a coach is that we can see that fatigue happening before most people do, and it's in it's it's sometimes it's in the data, almost all the time it's in their comments. Um, the tone of the comment changes a little bit, or they mention little things, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, I see this, but you don't, um, and. You know that's what that's what the things we're here for is to is we're not uh, coaches aren't always here to crack the whip. More often is to pull the leash, as one of my uh, yeah one of my excellent unfortunately former clients has said. Um, that's a good that's a good line. I like that. Yeah. 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 Um, well, too, you can imagine like the the average person, especially if they're hiring a coach, probably probably already places a lot of pressure on themselves to work hard and go out there and just crush it all the time. So mm-hmm. you need that tempering aspect of, no, 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 you don't have to, you know, it sounds like you're having a rough time. Yeah. Maybe you should consider. <laughs> no, for sure. And I think, um, and you know, not to, not to plug this too much, because I, I, I hate the selling things aspect of this podcast. Uh, I uh, but when I consult with people, a lot of the time, um, I whether they ask me to or not, I evaluate um, whether. Well, and sometimes I inform them of this, and sometimes I don't. But I evaluate at least to myself: Does this person need to optimize, or do we need like a blank slate kind of clean sheet design uh, for what they're doing? Um, and oftentimes, a lot of the times, most people just need some kind of optimization. Um, and that, that's another thing that we are here for is helping people optimize what you are doing and making the most of your time. Because, um, you know, I feel, and a lot of, a lot of coaches feel the burden of, I'm in charge of a lot of this person's time and energy and, you know, like financial investment too. And we want to do right by these people. So, uh, we spend a lot of time, well, well, most of us spend a lot of time thinking a lot about it. Um, and, uh, and I feel like everybody listening to the podcast in, in some ways like is a kind of coaching or consultation client where I don't want to give people bad advice, which is why sometimes we've stayed away from certain topics. I think we discussed a little <laughs> bit of that in, um, in the last Wattstock episode. So anyway, all that is a long yeah. way to say um, don't get too caught up in the training fads with all this stuff. Um, yeah, there's not. Unfor- unfortunately, there is not one true and correct way. What? <laughs> <There's> not- <laughs> miracle intervals. <laughs> um, miracle intervals aren't aren't a thing. There isn't some magical, you know. Oh, you know. You know what else? You know what else? Pagacha has that the rest of us don't. Really good genetics. <laughs> so, you know, you could like right, like you could copy his zone two training plan, and you would not win the tour. No, I would not win the tour on his plan. You wouldn't. Most of your clients wouldn't. Almost all of them, you know, like it doesn't. It it that it just it's not like oh that's the thing that makes me different. It's just that he's doing all this zone two work and I'm I'm not. You know, like there's tons of other things and and it's trendy and it's cool that you get to hear more. I feel like it's nice actually that pros are more open these days about what they're doing and power numbers or physio you know physiology numbers things like that. And they're not just like oh these are closely guarded secrets like they kind of used to be. But it also can lead to, like you said, latching onto fads because someone mentions, oh, this is what they did or this is what they did. And, and you know, everyone's prone to it, right? Like, yeah. this is this new thing. And, and it's, it's fun to talk about. And 
there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing, nothing at all. Uh, I think it's funny because um, uh, one of my guys said um, he quoted some rower to me, uh, which was basically the, the, I forget the quote exactly. I'm sure everybody remembers it except me. Um, so forgive me for butchering this, but the, he basically said uh, like. These coaches came in, we did this kind of training. These other coaches came in, we did this kind of training. These other coaches came in, we did this kind of training. And in all instances, we won a gold medal. Maybe it's not the training. Maybe it's just us. <laughs> that was yeah. definitely, I butchered the shit out of that. But that's that was the gist of it. Yeah, you could imagine. I mean, I actually think that that's one of the things that I, and I talked with some of my friends about this semi-related, semi not, but like for professional sports, for team sports, a lot of times coaches get hired at hockey, basketball, football, baseball, whatever. And then like they, they're, they coach one specific style and then they go to a new team and it doesn't work out because they don't have the players to like do that style. And that always seems absolutely bonkers to me. Like, Oh, we take clients and we only make them do this exact one kind of training. Cause this is like, you know, you're like, it's even worse with team sports because people have different skills, like the different positions, all these things. And you're going to like shoehorn them into, Oh, there is this one right system that will win us this super bowl or whatever, you know? Yeah. Ah, it's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. Especially if you consider yourself a professional coach and you can't figure out how to coach like a different system that, that takes better advantage of like the players that you have on your team. Like, yeah. Well, and then of course you look at the training Tom Brady was doing and you go, yeah, it really isn't the training sometimes, is it? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's not. Not with Tom. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> oh, that poor man. Um, anyway, he's just crying, wiping his eyes with hundos. I know, I know. <laughs> hundos, man. That's like a, I don't think, he, I don't think he even knows what like a nickel is anymore. Um, <laughs> Uh, you want to grab a couple listener questions before we wrap this up? Sure. All right. Um, is it fine to keep the volume of endurance riding during a VO2 block and maybe even ride easier? Um, yeah, you are going to want to ride pretty easy during a VO2 max block yeah. uh, when you're yeah. not doing your intervals, for sure. Yeah. And I assume by volume, they just mean number of hours. Like, yeah, if yeah. You, if you, like you said, you're going to have to dial back the intensity of that endurance class slash zone two and if you're one of these people who's pegging it you know five watts below zone three you're not going to be able to do that probably without paying a severe price um but yeah like keeping in the total amount of time still seems like a good idea if you can manage and you're not being crushed yeah like yeah. doing vo2 every day or something yeah and well one of the things that i tell people about endurance riding is if you ride for for almost everybody uh i tell them if you ride 20 to 30 watts easier than you do. I'm actually going to congratulate you. I'm going to tell you, good job. Keep this up. Um, <laughs> and, and, Cause like, like one of my clients, his LT one is like uh threshold's about three ninety four hundred. His LT one's like three twenty three fifteen something like that. Um, and he could ride at 300 Watts all day. It's a lot of kilojoules. Uh, and he doesn't, he rides like, 230, 220 to 240, 260, something like that, like in the mid 200s. Um, and that's a perfectly reasonable pace for him. Uh, and he, he rides a lot. He's, he's not under any kind of pressure to add more watts because that's not how the adaptations work. Like if you, and that's the difference between riding under and over 
that kind of like endurance pace to like tempo pace threshold. Like if you're riding too hard, like this, okay. I am sorry. I'm, I'm like getting frustrated just by the thought I'm having. Um, (laughs) Some people I have consulted with um, and I'm frustrated by the people that uh, gave them this advice have gone to get lactate testing, did a ramp test, three minute steps, et cetera, et cetera. And have been told that their LT1 is where their blood lactate concentration is too minimal. This typically mm. puts people around like low sweet spot a lot of the time if they're somewhat well trained. Um, it is a really, really, and then they're like, wow, I can't do more than like 17 hours because I'm just riding zone two all day. And I'm like, uh, okay, let's, how are you pacing this zone two? And then they tell me, and I'm like, <laughs> oh no. Um, yeah, so there's no harm in writing easier. And I get this question all the time, and I get it in the AMAs probably once a month, uh, the weekend AMAs, um, Empirical Cycling on Instagram. Check us out. Probably everybody's listening has subscribed or checked, followed me already. So anyway, um, so when people ask me, what is the lowest that I can ride to get like endurance adaptations? And um, I honestly, I don't know the answer. I've seen people whose LT1 is probably like 60, 65% of VO2 max ride at like 45% of FTP. Not sorry, 60, 65% of FTP, not VO2 max. And they're, they ride at like 45, 50% of FTP. And you know what? I don't see any difference between that and pegging it right at like 60% of FTP. I literally don't. And honestly, like, can the power meter tell at a certain level, you know? Oh yeah. Like, I mean, it's like 10, 20 Watts a lot of the time, sometimes up to 30. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not a, in terms of Watts, it's, it's not the, it's not that like the resolution of the power meter error is like, it can't catch it. it. Most of the time it can. It's, it's that like, if you think riding a little easier, Oh no, I'm going to lose my adaptations. I'm not riding hard enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. usually not the case. It really isn't. Um, and that's why I say I don't know where the lower limit is with this either. Um, and so when you think about, okay, I'm going to do VO2max stuff to bring it back to the question. Um, if you can maintain your volume and recover for the VO2max intervals, great. That's awesome. Do that. Um, yeah. A lot of my pro athletes, when they're doing really hard VO2max blocks, um, they'll maintain about the same volume, if not even go up a little bit, depending on, you know, if they want to bail out of some sessions early or not, they want to go longer on their endurance rides. Um, yeah, the volume pretty much stays the same. Like, and I think part of this comes from, I don't know, what do you think, Kyle? Do you think it kind of comes from the volume slash intensity TSS equivalents that a lot of people kind of have in their heads? I think that, and I also think that it's just the fear that you're not progressing like everyone like instant instant gratification instant feedback of like getting better going faster you have this like fear of i've put in all of this work and i would hate to do anything wrong that would erase some of these gains so you, <laughs> oh, you fixate God. on like you know oh like you know because you think like oh like it's like when people think, oh, am I going to take two weeks off and I'm gonna, am I going to come back completely untrained? And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, um, 
And so I think that's probably part of it. The thing like, oh, like if I if I ease off the gas just a little bit, am I going to be taking steps back or am I going to stagnate? Things like that. And because it's so quantifiable now with power meters, when normally you'd be like, oh, you know, if you were doing it by RPE, you might dial it back naturally because you were trying to do it by RPE. You have this number staring you in the face. And so you're like, mm, let me just, you know, hammer down a little bit more to get that number for that instant feedback, instant gratification, yeah. little dopamine hit of you, you seeing that number being the number that you want to see. Which is why I assume some people tape over their computers for endurance rides. They're like, nope, just going to put it in my pocket or whatever and, and not look at it. There's a non-zero chance that I told them to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have clients who have been training for a long time who still, I tell them, just put your computer in your pocket. Like, you know, or like just take, take power. Just have a screen that's just time or whatever you need. Uh, don't look at your power. Um, and it... it it benefits them a lot of the time. And sometimes it, it, it backfires because then, then they'll push really hard thinking, Oh, I've got to push hard. I don't know how hard I'm pushing or not. And it's like, okay, now we got to, now we, now we've got an RPE problem and we need to like work on dialing this in. Um, yeah. And so then, you know, then we have different strategies to do that. But, um, yeah. So I think, um, yes, keep the volume right easier. Uh, it's, somebody else actually asks, am I going too easy? I'm like unusually lazy. <laughs> uh, Kyle, you actually know this person too. Um, and uh, I think we just answered that. I don't know where the, where the too easy bottom is. That would be an interesting study. You have like groups of people and you assign them relatively speaking, lower and lower and lower percentages <laughs> of their VO2 max to ride at. And, you know, do would, they still improve over baseline? <laughs> I would love to see that done. Because uh, clearly there is a too easy, right? Like if you get on your bike and you don't cinch up, uh, like, like put your bike on the trainer, don't cinch up the, the, um, the uh, flywheel. Or like if you've got a, I don't know how the modern resistance ones work. I, I'm such a Luddite. I'm sorry. I've been using my, my old Kurt Kinetic with the extra flywheel for like 10 years now. Um, uh, like don't, don't have any resistance and then pedal. Yeah. Clearly that is too easy. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere between not having a chain on your bike and <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Thank you for this question. Um, Okay. How do you know if someone rode endurance too easy and, and metrics or RPEQs? Wow, this is a... I, <laughs> okay, so we're going to get them all here <laughs> in, in these questions, and uh, we're not going to have them in the weekend AMAs, which I'm going to put up in like, I don't know, 12 hours or something like that. Um, so if someone rode endurance too easy and metrics or RPEQs, uh, there aren't. Um, like, I, I usually tell people, you've got to feel like you're still pedaling but you shouldn't feel like you're really doing any work. Yeah. And I, and I know for, I think for some people too, you might be worried because there isn't, it's all, it's all qualitative and that, that makes sense that, that, that kind of seems like what these questions are getting at. Like you've gotten so used to quantitative with heart rate and power and all these things that once you're given a qualitative thing, it takes a little bit of adjusting and that makes that makes total sense. Yeah. 
Um, somebody else asks, why does everybody want to make this harder than the talk test? I, I don't think they, I don't think he means why does everybody want to ride zone two harder than the talk test? As in, yeah. why does this have to be more complicated physiologically than, than like being able to hold a conversation is how I read that. Yeah. Uh, that's how I read it too. Yeah. And of course I actually know this guy. So I, that I'm sure that's how he meant it. Um, as in why, why as <laughs> not the, why does everybody want to ride harder than the talk test? Although I think that's an interesting question too. Uh, cause well, more is more. It's obviously the answer, right? That's, that, yeah. that's, yeah, yeah. that's sarcasm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to be clear. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. Uh, I wish I did. Um, I think because it, I think, I think it goes back to people looking for a more quantitative feedback mechanism yeah some sort of qualitative thing of like oh can you talk do you you know are you are you making fun of your friends like you know like unmaintained bike on this ride if not (laughs) then you're going too hard you know like you know like (laughs) yeah you should be able to make fun of their unmaintained bike on the ride as easily as you do make fun of their flat changing technique yeah while you're standing there (laughs) those two things should be equivalent should be just as easy um, I think there's also a historical inertia thing with the, with the power zones and heart rate zones and whatnot. Um, and I, I, I mean, it, it's, it takes so long to like cut through all the bullshit with this stuff. I, I do feel bad for people who are just getting into this kind of thing. Cause there is a lot out there. Um, and I think that's one of yeah. the things that, uh, I don't know if listeners would agree with that or with this, but I've always tried to relate um, whatever we're talking about to somebody's everyday experience and make observations and suggestions always confluent with their everyday experience. Yes, maybe. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think that's what is, what a lot of people want is, you know, they like hearing about the science, but then they also do want to have some sort of way to relate to it, to take home. Like, obviously I, I, there are things that I listen to that are that like are nerdy for some reason and, and don't necessarily have some, some sort of, you know, everyday daily take home, but that's cause you're, you know, I'm being a huge nerd or whatever and listening to it. But I think I, even I like when you have a takeaway from something that you just learned, even in school, things like that, right. Even if it is some sort of esoteric, weird physics thing that I'm, I'm learning about at the end, having some sort of conclusion that you can, you can walk away and be like, Hey, I learned something from this and I can, you know, put it in my back pocket as a, as a take home. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think, cause I think a lot of the time, like if you tell somebody that they have to get a lab test or they have to get a lactate test, or they've got to like get their VO2 max measured or something like that. Like, I mean, if they have it free, yeah, sure. Okay. Why not? But like, to, to have good training, to have good quality training, I com- think is completely unnecessary. So there's, you know, you can, you can, you can make the training as fancy as you want, but the, the foundation of it still has to be there. Like you can, you can, you can do all sorts of decorations, but you know, the, there's gotta be structural framing somewhere. <laughs> um, what does zone two mean physiologically? Um, you know, I think that's actually an interesting question. So like, what's the difference between endurance pace and like tempo, like middle intensity, tempo, sweet spot, threshold. Um, and, uh, I'm not entirely sure. I haven't, honestly, I haven't thought about this that much. Um, so 
between now and whenever I've thought about it for a year or two, you're going to see an evolution of thought. Um, but I, I think it's really just, uh, a, it's a fatigue threshold. Um, and it's potentially a, um, a threshold of like either redox demand, or it might reflect some sort of physiological inflection point, or it might reflect capillary density, or it's got to reflect something like that. Um, and what exactly is it? I don't really know. Do I think it's related to fuel usage and fiber type recruitment? I don't. Uh, so yeah. what is zone two physiologically? I would say, I would say the, the practical take home, uh, definition would be, uh, a training intensity that does not accumulate much undue fatigue. Cause obviously once you start getting into like tempo sweet spot, for the same hour that you spend there, you accumu obviously accumulate a lot more fatigue. And that's realistically the, the stratification between, you know, quote unquote zone two and quote unquote zone three, like endurance and tempo, as I usually call it. Yeah, that makes sense. I was thinking it was some sort of, yeah, it's definitely some sort of like stimulus to fatigue ratio, like bang for your buck. Like you can do a bunch of the, the, the fatigue is low enough that you can accumulate a lot of time, whereas the fatigue at, at zone four, FTP, sweet spot, whatever, is much, much higher. And sure, you get a lot more stimulus out of it, but you also accumulate a lot more fatigue. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the and stimulus you, is a little and, different too, I would say. And this is something that I, I kind of teased earlier and we never really got to, right, I think. Um, like what's the difference, practical difference between the stimulus of like endurance versus tempo sweet spot threshold? Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it a little bit, right? So like, you get the the you know a little bit more, say whatever it was like, like blood volume or capillary density or whatever the other little check marks are in that little box that's missing zones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, well, the other thing is that once you get into these zones, um, quote unquote zones, uh, one of the things that happens is you fatigue faster, and so you are going to deplete your muscles of glycogen more rapidly, and you know, they never obviously fully deplete, but there is some kind of contractile dysfunction at some point that nobody really knows how it works. I have theories. We don't have to get into it. Um, but you basically start recruiting larger and larger motor units as you go. And that fatigue rate happens faster as you get closer and closer to threshold. And it happens mm. really fast once you get over threshold comparatively. Yeah. So, um, so that I think is, um, one of the interesting things about thinking about all this kind of stuff. And that kind of goes with, uh, another question, which is, do you see higher zone two relative to FTP and more slow twitch slash TT types than sprinters? Um, I don't. I, like on the face of it, you would think so. You would think that if you, if it's fiber type related, that you would see that. But practically speaking, I don't. I actually see that, um, well, we'll call it the, you know, LT1 or, you know, the the line between endurance and tempo, uh, I would say that is more related to how much volume somebody does. And of course, how much volume somebody does is going to be somewhat related to their fiber type composition because you obviously will convert some fast twitch to slow twitch fibers doing a lot of volume. But yeah, it's it's not a strict correlation. And I have some data to yeah. suggest that it's it's really a very bad correlation with like FTP and how quote unquote sprinty somebody is. Especially if, if you remember when we talked about how um, type two fibers can be almost as good 
<laughs> as well like aerobically trained as, as type one fibers, then yeah, that, that probably contributes a lot to the, your supposed lack of correlation in that now you're really getting down into like, you know, if the type two fibers are almost as good at this as the type ones, like how finely graded do you need this, this data to be able to tell? Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Cause I think let's, let's like, let's look at one of the primary power output differences between type one and type two fibers. Like, um, let's say that the capillary density is approximately equal and that, um, uh, well, maybe, maybe yes and no. Cause the efficiency, like that, that's an emergent factor of like fiber type or fiber size, not type necessarily, um, fiber size, capillary density, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so type one fibers typically smaller, um, not always the case, but typically, uh, and so th they're basically going to be more efficient and it actually may come down to a lot of it being the actual mechanical efficiency of contractile, uh, function in the actual myosin heavy chains. Uh, it's, it's mm. not clearly all of it, but it's a, I don't know, nobody really knows <laughs> how much a, a proportional difference it is. Um, but let's say like a type, let's say a type one heavy chain is I'm pulling these numbers out of my ass for everybody listening. Do not quote me. Um, let's say it's like they're 70% efficient and type two fibers are like 60% efficient or maybe even 50. Um, that's a 20% difference, but it's, it, when we think about actual power output, it's, it's really not that big because people on the whole are what? One, like we're like probably 18 to 23, 25% efficient in total in, in turning cycling. O2 yeah. to work. Yeah. 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 So like, so in reality, if I'm like 18% efficient at threshold and you know, some time trialer is like 25% efficient. Um, the fact that we have probably 60 to 70% fiber type difference between us is not as big a factor as you might think in terms of total power output, because it's a small fraction of your total O2 deliverability. Yeah. And it's not like you're all type one and this person is all type two or vice versa. You each have a mix. And so that mix is going to further kind of smooth over those like, you know, oh, you think, oh, it's a 10 per five, whatever, how big the efficiency difference is. But like, you know, you're not just using all type one and this other person is just all type two. It's, it's going to be an average. And like you said, you have all these other confounding factors. Yeah. And there are so many confounding factors that, um, I have definitely seen some slow twitchy people who really kind of have like a garbage endurance pace. Like their LT1 is not that good. Um, and I coach a couple really good sprinters who can ride at 300 watts all day. Um, like having... Damn them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, having, um, having the ability to create a lot of power uh, is not just a function of your fiber type. Um, so maybe we should leave it there for now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question is less than three hours zone two outdoor can't stand on the trainer. Any go-to workouts, mostly zone two that you recommend. Um, that is, uh, I think that's an interesting question because do you hear implied in it that, um, 
that if you start doing anything but strictly Z2 riding, that you have no longer, like, I don't know. Are you hearing something like that in there? Yeah, like you want to you wanna work out. Like, uh, just, I don't think of endurance rides as being like, oh, I've got to work out. You know, I've got to ride. And, like, yeah. <laughs> we talked about it before, like a kind of like a, like a fartlek type thing where you can go a little bit faster and then dial it back, you know, just break up the boredom a little bit. That's fine. Um, yeah. 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 Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it sounds like you're just, just overcomplicating something that's relatively simple. Yeah. Well, here's another way to look at it is how do you do an endurance ride on the turbo without getting bored? Um, and my typical answer is you can do, uh, cadence efforts, like low power, high cadence, you know, 10 to 30 seconds, something like that. See how fast you can spin, do it every half hour. Why not? Um, what's the worst that could happen? Or if you're doing endurance pace, add 10 RPM for 10 minutes, bring it back to normal, subtract 10 RPM for 10 minutes, bring it back to normal. Um, that's a good way to go. And, are the adaptations any better or worse? Um, honestly, I don't see that they are. I mean, I, I for a little while tried doing endurance rides at like 110 RPM just to see if it was any different. Um, I was pretty, sounds terrible. I was pretty tired <laughs> after an hour. Um, I got really good at holding a high cadence, but it didn't, it didn't do anything magical for me. Uh, it wasn't like, oh, wow, more contractions, so more adaptations that come on per contraction. It's, like, it's the same time. Um, so it's not, yeah, I don't, it's not like going to change the adaptations. Like riding is riding. Like it's, it, it's, it's, the sa- it's the same reason that like if you're only doing two two-hour rides a week, like do you have to do them both at endurance pace? No, do some threshold. Why not? Like, it, like you're still riding. Yeah, yeah I, I think too, like, like, it, it certainly understand the boredom aspect, but yeah, anything you can do to change it up if you're as long as you're not hammering it in VO2 pace, it's probably fine. Unless you you know, like you figure you if it's a two hours, let's say two hours in the trainer doing zone two, as long as it's a majority and like the average at the end comes out to be reasonable looking you probably didn't ruin a ride, right? Yeah. Like you have to, you have to throw in a lot. Like if it's a two hour ride on the trainer, you got to throw in a lot of VO2 in time to like really throw off that. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's no yeah. longer an endurance ride, right? Right. Yeah. No, if you're doing a track workout like you and I do where you go really hard for like 30 seconds out of like a, out of five minutes pedaling, and then you lie in the infield for half an hour, that, that yeah. is not like you did a half hour of riding. Right, right. Yeah. You know, you know the difference. And, and so, yeah. And also, you know who you are who think that does count. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, my, it's, it, I, that's why I always shoot an average power, you know, for those 30 second, 40 second sprint intervals that looks like zone, zone two, you know, even though the normal eye is just like FTP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. That's, that's one of the other, anyway, I think. So, we, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, zone two, it's fine. If you get bored, everyone gets bored. No one. Okay. I won't say everyone. Very few people enjoy sitting on the trainer for five hours, pedaling at the exact same cadence at the exact same intensity the entire time. That is 
a little bonkers. So I mean, you're not I, alone. I know some people who do that and who who are fine doing that, and I'm I'm a little envious because there aren't enough Nicolas Cage movies to watch to keep me entertained <laughs> in that amount of time. Um, there's yeah. not enough Monty Python to watch to keep me entertained for that amount of time. Um, and uh, but I know people who do it in the summer, like when it's nice out. Uh, and those people do not have all their bolts torqued to spec. <laughs> so, <laughs> although I, honestly, I understand if you want to like avoid cars and all that stuff. Um, what is the biggest volume increase week over week before it is too much? Um, I think it, honestly, I think it depends on what you've done before. Uh, like if you're, if you've been doing 12 hours a week and you're trying to get to 15, you could probably go to 15 in a week, no problem. Um, but let's yeah. say it's, it's like one long ride. Let's say you're, you do a long three-hour ride and you want to get up to like six. Um, add 30 minutes a week if you want to go conservative. If you want to just go for it, just add an hour a week. Um, and yeah. you'll, it, it'll be pretty chill. It, it honestly won't be a problem. Whereas also, on the other end, right, you can imagine you just started and to go from three hours a week to six hours a week also probably does not take very long, right? Like really quickly, you can, you yeah. can easily go from, you know, a couple one hour rides to a couple two hour ride, three hour ride, you know, whatever. Yeah. Although I think it's interesting because the relative scale is you doubled your volume. Whoa. But also on the absolute yeah. scale, you went from three hours to six hours. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think hardly anybody who's healthy would have a big problem with that. Um, yeah, so if you and if you're gonna go to like you know 20, 30 hours a week, if you really want to go for it, um, I would say probably adding an hour to two a week is probably a lot. And if you're like going from and if you've done big volume before, like if you're used to like 17, 20, 25 hour weeks, um, then I think if you're going from not training so much, like mid season break, doing some cross training, doing some strength training, you get on your bike and then you start to add time. You can probably add um, probably two to three hours a week pretty easily, especially if you've done it before. So, uh, and that's that's just ballparking. I don't know exactly what I've had people do or what people do in general who are super well trained. It's probably an individual thing. Um, yeah, if you want help, reach out for a consult. <laughs> Miraclecycling at gmail dot com. Um, okay, last question: Do short zone two rides count if you're used to two to four hours plus of zone two rides? Is it better to look at total weekly kilojoules via zone two? Um, okay, so there's two questions in here. Let's tackle the first one because I think the second one's really interesting, and I'm glad somebody asked. Uh, so, Kyle, do you think short zone two rides, let's say one to two hours? count if you're used to two to four hours plus yeah i mean it's not like you didn't ride you still rode like <laughs> and it's not like you rode it 10 watts that's still like an appreciable let's see like like for sure right when we were talking about how low can you ride like for sure for most people 10 watts for an hour <laughs> would not be i mean i think i think most people elicit. existing is at least like 40 or 50 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like like ten watt. You know, I'm gonna pick that as a safe as my safe bet. Is that's definitely below the threshold at which you receive any aerobic stimulus. Um, so so as long as you didn't pedal at ten watts for an hour or two, you pedaled at something that was a like that you knew that you were working, 
but it wasn't so strenuous that you had to like really white knuckle and focus on it. Right. That counts as work. That doesn't, it doesn't, it's, you know, it's mate. It's it, it. Sure. It might be like maintenance or, you know, slightly below what you think was maintenance, but it's not nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also it's, it's one of those things where, uh, here's the other thing is should every time you get on the bike be an endurance ride? Like even if you have an hour, uh, I would say no, actually I consulted with somebody who was doing an hour of zone two extremely frequently to the point where I was like, you might want to take an actual recovery day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think one of the other things about doing a short endurance ride is that it can, unless your RPE is super dialed in, it can actually skew what you think is a reasonable pace. Cause like if you've only got an hour and you finish it and you're like, I wasn't tired uh, at the end, you easily could have been riding tempo uh, instead of endurance pace. And over time that actually will accumulate quite a lot of fatigue that can really sneak up on you. So yeah, interesting case. I, I, I was actually fascinated when I saw it and I was like, this is uh, this is a thinker. I, uh, <laughs> this is really cool. I've, I never even would have thought to do this, and somebody did. And I, I just the 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 ingenuity of like that that people have with engineering their training around certain training principles and taking it to logical extremes is absolutely fascinating to me. I love it. I, I honestly I do like unironically, and I don't think anybody's you know dumb or anything for doing that kind of stuff because I most certainly did it myself about a decade ago. <laughs> I yeah. I probably did it worse than anybody with the exception of that I'm not that smart. So it's like I had the additional thing of like trying to, to big brain my way around things with certain <laughs> training principles. And then my brain is not that big. So I, man, I really fucked myself up one year. I, I took, I had to take like six months or a year off the bike. I was so messed up. So anyway, um, the other one is, is it better to look at total weekly kilojoules via zone two? So, Kyle, I, I think I know you know the answer to this pretty easily. So what do you think it is? Is it better? Yeah, is it better than looking at like total time or uh, or anything like that? Or even, even total kilojoules done like work per week? <laughs> well, I think... If you know that you're separating out total kilojoules in zone two and you know that it's all zone two, it might be somewhat more informative in terms of an absolute sense of getting to understand if you are you're doing more work than you used to. Um but if you've got other metrics mixed in, kilojoules, like we've talked about with TSS and other there are other ways you can get more kilojoules and it's not representative and it's not a one to one comparison. Oh, inter- so is it interesting. better? Um, cause I was going to say, no, it's not better. It's, it's probably worse. I would say the best way to, oh, excuse me. I would say the best way to measure zone two, uh, hold on. Let me grab mm-hmm. that question again. <clears throat> Is it better to look at total weekly kilojoules via zone two? And I would assume that's versus time and zone. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't even look at time and zone that much. You know what I look at is how many hours did you ride? Because mm. there, there's a certain just, you know, law of the universe. If you're going to ride a lot more, you're going to have to ride it at a lower intensity. And if you're going to do <laughs> intervals, like you're going to have to ride it at a lower intensity than that, than just what you can barely get done. Um, right? Because it's like 
if you can do 12 hours a week, that doesn't necessarily make it your endurance pace. Like it's not pass fail. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. It's like doing a, it's like doing two by 20. Some people can do it over threshold. Uh, it doesn't make it your threshold. Um, you know, <laughs> if only, especially, if especially only. if that first one is you really blow it out of the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you cannot average those two things and call that FTP. Um, so, so I think, um, yeah, for me, looking at total kill jewels can actually lead you astray because, you know, even if you just look at it for the zone, because here's the thing is like, where is that, like that threshold between like endurance intensity and middle intensity? And I think, uh, the classic, um, the intensity domains. So when you're looking at the, uh, line between moderate and heavy exercise intensity domains, like this is that first lactate threshold, right? It's LT1. And if yeah. you know where it is, great. But if you don't, um, and also softest line. <laughs> yeah. And here's the other thing. Um, in my coaching experience, it drops with fatigue. Mm. So I think that's probably one of the things that can actually screw people a little bit um, with this is like, if you always think it's this many Watts and you're really, really tired and you can't, you're holding, you know, you can only do like 20 or 30 Watts below that as you're like all day endurance pace. Okay. Well, that's good information to have, but also it's going to like screw up your, um, you know, kilojoules. Yeah. Well, your kilojoules, but also it's going to screw up like what you think you can do. It's going to mm, give you a right, target yeah. that's too high to hold. Um, and so you can overtrain that way a little bit or a lot. Um, yeah. And, and I think also with looking at kilojoules, like it's, it's fine if you want to know how much you're probably going to need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, I think total ride time is, is probably one of the best metrics because it's total pedaling time or close enough. Uh, so that's, that's really where I like to go with, um, how much training is somebody doing? And, you know, it's like, like we said, it's, it's kind of all, you know, somewhat equivalent aerobically, uh, you know, even though, you know, asterisk, it's not, I know, blah, 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 but yeah, 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 kind of yeah. is, and like, <laughs> and no one is going through and being like, oh well, I'm gonna subtract off the first five minutes of my warm up because that was definitely below where I would get a, you know, like, like say you're gonna do like an FTP workout or something like that. Like, oh, do you think like, oh, the first five minutes of your warm up like don't count? Kyle, like, have you been reading my still... Instagram DMs? Like, I think I got this question <laughs> from somebody like last week. <laughs> that's like, that's like, no, like, no, that, that whole workout is still two hours, or whatever. It's not an hour 55 because the first five minutes we're like warming up. Like what? Like that's you're like, you're splitting these hairs so fine in this, in these cases. You're like, eh, you know, do, like in the first 20 minutes in a long road race, does that also not count? Because, you're, <laughs> you know, like what? Yeah. Like yeah. if you, and I, I've, I think I've, cited this example on the podcast before, and this is probably where we're going to wrap this up, um, is uh, one of my clients in 2020 uh, was riding his bike to work every day and back. It was an hour. And so he had um, so he had uh, 10 hours a week extra riding on top of what he was normally doing. So he was actually doing oh, like God. 18 to 20 hours a week of riding. And when he stopped commuting, and 
this, I always just think of this one guy, but it definitely happened with more than one person. Um, when he stopped commuting, uh, his training volume went, you know, obviously dropped quite a bit and he immediately lost like 10 or 15 watts of threshold. And then eventually it, it was down to like 20 because as those residual adaptations kind of went away, like he needed to hold that up because he didn't have the deepest training history. So, you know, it's not like he's going to take six months off the bike and be like, you know, just about back to where he was after a couple weeks of riding. Like the volume was such a really big uh, driver of fitness for him. And it didn't matter that it was commuting, didn't matter that it was a little hard sometimes, you know, accelerating, over, you know, from stoplights or away from cars or up hills or whatever. Like that wasn't the big thing. The big thing was how much was he riding? And that's one of the reasons that like in order to simplify your, your training kind of benchmarks, I guess, um, you know, it's not how much zone two did I do this week? Cause if you like, like we said, if you're doing three, two hour rides, you've got six hours a week and it's all interval work. You're not going to get that much zone two. It's fine. <laughs> like rest when you need to rest, um, ride easy when you need to ride easy, but it's fine. It's not going to rob you of anything. It's still riding time. So that's why I think total riding time is probably uh, one of the best things to look at in terms of overall volume. That's why I talk about volume and not like how much zone two did you get in? That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Volume is a more holistic view and not just trying to quantify time and zone down to the 15 seconds or something. <laughs> yeah. And if you're driving yourself nuts with that kind of thing, um, just, just take a step back. It's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Put tape over it's the computer. <laughs> You'll yeah. be fine. Tape over the computer. Uh, what do we got for final thoughts on what makes Zone 2 special? I would say that, again, unfortunately, there's no one special miracle interval style of training. Um, there, are, What you can probably learn from a lot of people is looking at, instead of honing in on what our this one person does who's very successful like what do you notice that a lot of successful people do and and also seeing that just getting this one in piece of information like ah oh, pagacha did a bunch of zone two that's not a secret like if that was like the secret method that made him way better than everyone else would he be talking about it on a podcast or whatever with like you know like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> it's it is a thing that he did and it's maybe something that they really focused on one year but that's not you know don't get don't get too caught up in the in the hype yeah for sure i mean well i think this is one of the reasons that like because i've had clients who are like should i hide all my power data and i'm like like it's like you know what if if everybody looked at what you were doing and copied it it still would not work for them like it's it's not the information therein is not that precious. Uh, like what intervals are you doing? When are you doing them? How much are you doing? It's like today, Bagasher has like, he's got so many above and beyond like world-class genes. I'm just like, did you bring enough for the rest of the class? And <laughs> I, I bet he did actually. He probably, he probably spread some of that around. It's still win. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But it is, it is cool. Like, like it, it it is nice maybe as a as a contrast to 
everyone being super hyped up on high intensity intervals a few years back or last year or whatever, it's kind of nice to see people maybe now thinking about, oh, what does uh, what is endur- you know, what maybe endurance rides will come back in in vogue. Um, I don't know. Hopefully now, I think I think what I've heard about Z two lately is that you've got to be failing the talk test. Um, and to me that would actually put it as too intense. Um, so that's something to ask the person whose idea that is. So, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll have him on the podcast. Maybe I'll ask him. Um, if anybody's got his email, nah, I'm just kidding. He's probably up on the website <laughs> for his university. Um, so, um, yeah, anyway, uh, I think that's, uh, that's about it. Yeah. Zone two is special endurance riding. Sorry. I, I, Every time I say zone two, I'm just, I get that little thing in my head of like, ah, clarify it. Um, endurance riding is special because it's a lot of really good adaptations and um, it doesn't make you that tired. You it's great. Do a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's literally the epitome of ride your bike and have a snack. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So thanks everybody for listening. Uh, obviously subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet already, if you enjoyed it. Uh, great iTunes rating is always really nice. Thank you so much for those ad free podcast again. Uh, so you can donate at empiricalcycling.com slash donate. If you've appreciated the content we've put out over this year or even the past years, or want to donate for the future content we're going to create. Um, and also of course, uh, I haven't plugged this for a little bit, but water bottle, um, the guy who runs Water Bottle actually has been laid off from his job. So I would recommend going to waterbottle, W-A-T-R-B-O-D-L.com and buying his merch because it's awesome. Um, I actually just got a couple extra shirts today. I got a second carbohydrates shirt in, in that, that light blue because um, I love That's the one that. I have, yeah. I know. I love that shirt so much. Never. You just got a carbohydrate shirt. Um, yeah, support a small business. Uh, you know, if, you, uh, if you've donated to the show already – go support him. Um, and, uh, he's, he's a, you know, a nerd like the rest of us. So he'll, he'll hopefully land on his feet soon. Uh, employ him too, if you need an engineer. Uh, anyway, so, Oh, what fun fact about that, that carbohydrate shirt. I wore it, uh, checking in for one of the UCI track races at T town. And one of the UCI comms said he liked it. So there you go. Yeah, I had mine on uh, for one of the days at GMSR this year, and uh, it it was uh, it was a hit. Um, the cowboy hat, less so, but the shirt was a hit. <laughs> so yeah, if you have any coaching or consultation inquiries, again, it's early December right now, so uh, it's um, good time to start thinking about that. If you want somebody to look at your training, if you're thinking about how do I modify my program for the future uh, future year, depending on your goals. Um, yeah, shoot me an email, empiricalcycling at gmail.com. We are doing a, a lot of consultations right now. It's a good time to do it. We are fielding a lot of coaching inquiries. It's a good time to ask about that. Even if you're just thinking about that, um, yeah, shoot me an email, empiricalcycling at gmail.com. And of course, empiricalcycling on Instagram. That's where we got all of our questions. Thank you all to our wonderful listeners for such thoughtful and interesting questions. Um, and uh, give me a follow there if you want. And uh, I will see you in the weekend AMAs uh, tomorrow. But I think this will come out on Monday, so I will see you in two days ago. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) See ya.